First John. <clears throat> Excuse me, ma'am. Can you find your seat? Don't get sassy. Hey, don't get sassy. First John. Two weeks ago, we continued our study of 1 John. We heard John getting to his first point of restoring joy, joy in the lives of, <clears throat> that, once, that, that once existed in our lives. We heard John tell his readers that God is light and there is no darkness in him. We learned that when light is present, that darkness is removed. That light can and will remove darkness, but darkness can in no way remove light. We learn that light, the light of God, the light that God shows a believer, uh, any, that any and all darkness <clears throat> that is within him. And that darkness can and will prohibit a believer from fellowshipping with those who are in the light. We learn that our fellowship with, with others who are in the light and, who God, and with God who is in the light is very important to complete joy. We learn that Sin is darkness, and God shows us clearly what we must do to be in fellowship with him and other believers. Tonight, we're going to hear John as he continues his letter promoting joy in the lives of believers. <clears throat> so let's look at John chapter 2 and verse 1. John 2 verse 1. It says, My little children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only ours, but also those of the whole world. Let's pray. <coughs> Lord, again, we come to you asking forgiveness of for our sins. Thanking you, Lord, for this night. Thank you for this lesson. Thank you for this word. Thank you that you loved us enough that you've given us this word. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to, to decipher the words tonight, to see where they fit in our lives, to see where we can use these words to correct our lives and redirect our lives, that we might experience the joy that John's writing about tonight. Thank you a lot for allowing us to be here, be with those who can't be here, those who are still traveling, who are on the road, be with those who are here in the service this morning, who are heading back home, Lord. We pray that you would give them travel and mercies and grace. In Jesus' name we do pray, and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. So, <clears throat> we just have how many verses tonight? Two. Two verses, but there's a lot in these two verses. So, what do we see in our scripture tonight? We first see John write of another reason he is writing this particular letter in verse 1 at the very beginning. He says, My little children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin so we we don't have to sin right so john's saying i'm writing you these things so that you may not sin well now this seems to contradict what we read just a couple weeks ago when john says this if we say we have not sinned we make him a liar and his word is not in us but what john is saying is not a contradiction at all John is very much aware that all men will, as long as he lives, sin. We all sin. Every single one of us. 
We were born into this world of sin in, in a sinful state. And we will not obtain sinless perfection until we die. Do not let some arrogant, sanctimonious Pentecostal tell you that they have already achieved sinless perfection. Now, why did I point out Pentecostals? Because a lot of Pentecostals believe that they have reached a point of sinless perfection. Not all, but a lot of them do. I've got a relative who believes that he doesn't sin. Do I not? And I point at, Brother Frank, I point out 1 John to him, and he says, oh, well, that's, that's different. No, no, it's not. It's really not. <clears throat> we won't obtain sinless perfection until we die. If John is not contradicting himself, then what is he saying about sin tonight? So the first thing I want us to see is, is the way he started off the letter. He says, uh, he says this. He says, my little children. Now, John is old when he's writing this letter, but his age doesn't really have anything to do with the endearing words he is writing here. What we see is John trying to get the attention of those who are reading this letter before he goes to the heart of the subject he is going to breach. Now, we've done this in many times with our children and grandchildren. At first, now notice, this is what we do at first. We, we try to, you know, be nice at first. Now, when this, when, what I'm getting ready to say doesn't work, we go to a different level, okay? But this is what we as parents and grandparents try to do first. What we may say as, as we are about to give our loved ones advice may sound something like this. This is what I'd say. Now, your daddy loves you or your granddaddy loves you, and this is why I want you to listen to what I am about to say to you very closely. Y'all ever say that to your children or grandchildren? Daddy loves you. Now, what happens when they don't listen? That's, that's when you say, look, remember when daddy said he loved you? And he tried, he said, oh, I wish you'd listen to me. Now, you didn't listen to me. It's time to come on, let's go. Right? But this is what we try first. This is what we, we, we try the easy way first. Now, we say these words with their full meaning. But we also say them in great hopes that the person we are speaking to really listens closely to what we're about to say. And I said these words several times a couple weeks ago when my precious little beautiful granddaughter Winnie Kate was here. I said, Pop loves you, but you, if you don't listen, you're going to get popped. Y'all ever, ever have to say that to Chloe? Chloe, does your nana ever have to say that to you? She says, I, I love you, but if you don't listen, you're going to get popped. Does she ever say that to you? Yeah, listen. Or, or better yet, th this seems to work better yet. Uh, or, or listen, you better listen to pop or you're going to bed. Now, these words are true. I, I do love that baby with all my heart and do not want to spank her. And I surely don't want to send her to bed. I, I don't. I really don't. That kid, she does not like to go to bed. She thinks she's going to miss something. I, but I do want her to listen. Just as John wants his readers to listen to him, and, and we are his, his readers tonight. So we need to take these words that John is reading or writing to those who's, he's writing to in that day. Tonight they're written to us. Amen? We need to accept them as, as our words. Now, John then says in the second part of the verse of one, he says this, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. Now you might want to underline the word may in, in your scripture. You may 
not sin. John Phillips says, even though by natural birth we were tainted with the sin, sin is not to be the habit of life for a believer. John will repeatedly remind us later in this letter, the believer is a born-again person, regenerated by the Holy Spirit, possessed of a new heart and a partaker of divine nature of God. John wants to lay to rest the notion that sin may be regarded, listen, as normal. Phillips is saying this, and that's what we, that's that the whole theme of what we're seeing tonight, the normalcy of sin. Craig, we got a problem with that today, don't we? We really do. We, we really, and, and listen, uh, what's wrong with it? Everybody's doing it, right? We, we've made sin normal in the lives of believers as it is the life of the unsaved. Now let's focus on the word Phillips uses just for a moment to clear, for clarity's sake. The word that he uses is normal. Phillips says we should lay to rest the notion that sin may be regarded as normal. Now, that's both easy and hard thing to do. It's easy for us to say that big sins should not be considered normal, right? It's easy for us to do that. Mr. Taylor, if you and I sat down and I said, look, you know, worshiping other gods should not be normal. You'd say, check, yeah, I agree with that, right? But we live, we live in a society, 50 years ago, things that are said on TV would not be said today. They would not. Listen, you pay attention to me. Uh, just this past week, a singer that y'all think is just so wonderful and so great, what, what's her name? Uh, Billie Eilish. That girl can sing. She really can. I've, seen, I've heard some of her songs. And, and the, 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 the beat to them is really good. But she's going above and beyond, church. Her new song, you know what the title of her new song is? Good girl. Only good girls go to hell. Read the words. R read the words. And she sang it this past week in the, what is it, the American Music uh, Awards? And she was wearing a shirt with flames and all that. I mean, and I, the sad thing is, I believe she believes what she's singing. I, I really do. Our, our culture is taking us a play, to a place that we don't even realize we're going. It's just taking us right down the road. And, and, you know, what does that have to do with worshiping other gods? Anything that you spend more time with, spend more money with, you, your thoughts go there, that's who you worship. It really is. You can look at your calendar, your checkbook, and what you just desire the most. And that's your God. That's who you make your God. Now, that's a big one. That's easy. You know, worshiping other gods, that's, that's not normal. That's not a normal sin. Murder is not normal. Jeff, it's not normal, is it? It really isn't. Well, how about when you think about killing somebody? Has, any, has anybody in this room, anybody in this room, ever murdered anybody? Is anybody in this room ever thought about murdering somebody? Come on. Yeah. 
Listen, it's not normal to murder somebody. But that person, when you're driving down 95 and they cut you off and they give you the, they tell you you're number one and they slam on the brakes, it runs through your mind. Boy, I'd like to just, I'd like, I wish I had a big old truck right now. I'd run them off the side of the road, off into the embankment, into the hole. And I'd just keep on driving. Right? Matt, you better calm down over there. None of us have murdered, but it's not normal. To have that sin. Here's another one. Being married and having relations with another is not normal behavior for a Christian. It's not. It is not normal for a Christian to have an illicit affair with another person. It's not. And we can check that off. Okay, that's, that, that's another one. That's an easy one. Rape, incest, homosexuality, and pedophilia <coughs> is not normal. Brother, that's, that's easy, Brother Kyle. No, that's easy. Here's another one. Mass murder is not normal for a Christian. It's not. Right? We should not, we should not go and buy, uh, you know, everybody picks on AK-47, so I might as well too. Go buy an AK-47 and just start shooting people. Mass murder, it's, it's not normal, Vicky. it's not normal. Listen, get that out of your head. Pornography is not normal for a Christian. It's not, but in the day we live in, it's more accessible than any time in, in throughout, all throughout history. Now listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you all a secret. Listen to me. I'm, I'm a man. I have the same, you know, things stimulate my eyes as y'all do when I was y'all's age. But when me and Bill were kids, and, and Craig, you can, you can value any older men, older than us, if the only time you saw pornography when you were IRA is when you went to the convenience store and they didn't have the blinders up on the magazines. Magazines were about the only, Dan right? I mean, that, that, that's about the only pornography you saw. Everybody who has a cell phone has access to pornography 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And listen, for a, for a, for a Christian to desire that is not normal. And we can all say, hey, I agree with you. John says, you know, these sins, these, it's not normal. And it's not normal. It shouldn't be in your life. We can all agree on that, right, Deborah? Everything I just said that should not be normal, I believe everybody, if we, we, we'd take a poll in here, you're right, Brother Kyle, that's right, that's right, that's right. Now, we can all agree with John on all of the above, that a Christian should not consider these sins normal and continue in practicing them. But then we get to other sins that are just a little bit harder for us. Because that's what John's talking about. We, we don't have a problem giving normalcy to sins that are sins. What we have a problem is, is determining what is sin. Right? These are a little harder. Lying should not be normal. It should not. Abby, you hear me? Lying should not be normal. I've heard about you, girl. It shouldn't be normal. Stealing should not be normal to us, Timmy. We should not go stealing. Brother Kyle, what are you talking about? I, that used to be one of my favorite things to do when I was a kid. I used to go to stores just to steal, just to see what I could walk out with. And that's terrible. I wasn't a Christian, though. That's not normal for a Christian to do. Amen? It's not. Listen, here's another one. Y'all better, uh, listen, we just got finished with Thanksgiving. We're heading strong and fast towards Christmas. And then we got New Year's Day, right? Woo, New Year's Day is my favorite. Oh, my, it's my favorite. Listen to me. 
Overeating and being overweight should not be normal to us. Our bodies are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God. See now, Brother Kyle, you're meddling. No, listen. Sin, our, our definition of sin is what we need to understand here. It really is. I'm not telling you, saying you should, there's nothing wrong with watching TV as long as you walk on a treadmill the whole time. No, no, no. No, but overindulgence of anything is, it's a sin. Listen, here's another one. Listen, ladies, y'all pay attention. Pay attention. Worrying or living in fear are other sins that should not be normal. You know who, who tells me this all the time? That one right there. I'll, 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 she can tell, Kim, she can tell when I'm torn up about something. And she'll get in the car, and I, I mean, I almost don't want to tell her. She'll, she'll say, how was your day? And I'm just like, oh, it was wonderful. And she can say, I can tell by the way you look. Sharon, she says, I can tell by the way, you're not telling the truth. She said, what happened? And I'll, I'll you know, it's not church-related, of course. I can't tell her stuff that's church-related, but... Uh, I'll say, well, this, this happened, and she says, well, what's your problem? I said, I'm just worried that so-and-so. She said, you do know worry is a sin, and I'm just like, golly. Yes, sweet darling, I know worry is a sin. But that's, that, that's, that, that's a big one for us, for all of us. Worrying and fear is a sin. The only thing that we're to fear is the fear of the Lord, amen? amen. Every day. How about this one? Listen, listen, y'all. Listen, Cameron, you pay attention, son. Kim, he's paying attention. Mike, where are you at, Mike? I hear you. I see you, Mike. Listen, Cameron. Being disobedient to your parents should not be normal. It's not. Scripture tells us to be obedient to our parents. I'm going to be 50 years old in May, and as long as my mother is alive, I am to be obedient to her. When she dies, when she dies, there are things that she has told me to do and not do. And when she dies, I should still be obedient to my mother's wishes. Amen. Brother Kyle, why, why does that seem so hard? Because she tells me not to speed on 95. <laughs> Sharon, if you don't speed on 95, they're going to run you over. And then people from Florida, they're going to run you over and tell you you're number one all the time. They were, they, were, they were like this. I mean, they just stay in one lane. It's not, it's 50 miles an hour. They're not going to go any faster, Craig. You want to shoot their tires out. I don't want to shoot them. I just want to shoot their tires out. I have to put the gun in the back while we're driving. But mom says, don't you drive fast. What do you say, Miss Barbara? Huh? Well, I know, but what do you tell your mama when you know you have to drive a little faster on 26 and 95? What do you tell her? I always tell her the truth. I'll say, Mama, I won't go over 82 miles an hour. And I promise I won't. I will not go over 82. Now, there were a couple of times that I looked down and Amy says, you're doing almost 90. And I, I back up. But I tell, I'm not going to go over 82 miles an hour. Don't you do it. I, now, I'm not going to agree not to go under 82 miles an hour, Pat. So I'm not lying. I'm good. But you got to be disobedient. Don't be disobedient to your parents. Forever. Here's another one. Well, Proverbs 21.3 says this. Doing what is righteous and justice, just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. <clears throat> you may be saying, <clears throat> how do I know what to do and what not to do? 
The answer is today the same as a thousand years ago. The Bible is our sin standard. If the Bible says don't do it, then it should never be normal in our lives. <coughs> That's the whole thing that we're talking about tonight. The normalcy of sin and how we make sins normal or how we justify sin or how we say, oh, well, look, everybody's doing it. That should never be. Sin is a very personal thing, not between you and your, or your wife or, or me looking at Timmy and saying, boy, I'm glad I don't sin as much as Timmy. It's not that. It's you and God. Nobody else. Now, John then gives us some good news. Aren't y'all glad for some good news? I want to hear some good news after this right here. Aren't you, Billy? Don't you want to hear some good news? <clears throat> In his letter... Part of verse 1 when he says, but, oh, thank you, Jesus. If anyone does sin, we have an, <coughs> excuse me, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. What this means, church, is that when we do sin by telling a half-truth in order to protect ourselves or someone we love, or, or when we get home and there, there's something in our bags that, that we know we didn't pay for, Timmy. <clears throat> or, or when we go back for four times while we're eating at the buffet and three, three times extra for desserts. Or when we do worry, or when we are disobedient to our parents, God will forgive us if we will be a willing to agree with him that we have sinned. It's not normal. And we confess those sins to Jesus. Now, Scripture also leads us to try and make that sin right again as well. There, there's things that I've done that I, as I've grown, over, grown older, and, and as I have accepted Christ as my personal Savior, I've tried to make right. I have. There's things that I've done to people that I know I've done, and when I encounter those people, I try to make it right. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit of God is living in me. And just by me doing the right thing, say, look, I want to apologize for you for, for doing something. I, I, I really, I, I apologize. Uh, why are you apologizing to me now? Because the Holy Spirit of God lives. I'm a, I'm a Christian. It's allowing you to be a witness to that person that you weren't years ago. Right? So, John then tells that Jesus is two things to us in verses 1 and 2. John says, Jesus is our advocate. An advocate is a person who publicly supports or recommends a particular cause or policy. What this means is Jesus represents us in the presence of his Father, God. That's good stuff. I need somebody to represent me, Mr. Taylor, because I want to tell y'all something. Some of y'all believe you're perfect, Vicky. Some of y'all believe you're perfect. You do. I'm not. I, I'm going to make a mistake. I, I, I made a mistake last night. I mean, do y'all ever make mistakes? And mistakes are costly. When we make a mistake, we have to pay a price. But according to what John is saying here, we do have to pay a price, but Jesus is willing to pay that price for us. I like that. I really do. It's not right and it's not fair, but Jesus does it. John then says the second thing, that Jesus is our propitiation. Propiti propitiation means this, the action of pro pro uh, 
propitiating or appeasing a God, spirit or person. Jesus stands between us and God as our advocate and appeases God's wrath upon us as our propitiation. What we are seeing is once again Jesus taking our sins upon himself. That's pretty good, isn't it? We thought the cross was good and what he did for us at the cross. It never stops. It never continues. It's kind of like the love a parent has for a disobedient child, right? That's what we are. That's what we are. I'm sure God looks at us, Jesus looks at us just like we look at our disobedient children. Man, I wish you'd get your act together. I really wish you'd get your act together. Start acting your age, start, 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 start doing what you know is the right thing to do. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to support you. I'm still going to try and get you, you know, on the right path. That, that's who God is to us, church. Amen? Now, church, I'm going to ask you, just as this letter tonight is asking John's readers, what do you consider sin as sin? That's going to make a difference. What do you consider sin as sin? Sin is not and should not be normal in our lives. Will you admit to God what he already knows? That he may be your advocate and your propitiation. You've got to admit that sin's in your life and you're not perfect. Let's all stand, heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you love us so much that you gave us your word. That we might not be in the dark, that we're always in the light because the light shines through your word. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Now, I pray that you would be with us during this time of invitation. If there's anybody who needs to come down and just spend some time with you, Lord, I pray that you would give them the, the freedom and the ability to walk the aisle and just get down on their knees before you. In Jesus' name I do pray. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, do you need to come?